It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon, hit that like, comment, and share button. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, you are now tuned to the Investor Show. As always, this is your gracious host, the Prince of Investing, Prince Dykes, coming to you guys and girls live all the way from the beautiful city and state of Denver, Colorado. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, comment, and share button. But as always, I don't have a lot of time. I definitely, you guys and girls don't have a lot of time. So we're going to jump straight into it. So I'm going to play a, we have a very, very special guest today. We got Miss Michelle Tucker. She has a, you know, a very extensive history on her bio. But what I'm going to do here, I'm going to play her scissor reel. And then after we get out of her reel, we're going to get straight into her. She is live here today to talk to us about buying businesses, evaluating businesses, flipping businesses, getting your business ready to sell. And also we're going to talk about her book, Exit Rich. So y'all give me one second here as I pull this up. So I want to be able to show y'all the scissor reel as well. Here we go. Michelle has sold over 500 businesses with a 99% closing rate and obtains a 20 to 40, sometimes even 60% higher selling price for her clients. Michelle is the she-profit, investing her own money, time, energy, and effort into growing businesses via her build-to-sell blueprint, which helps grow businesses to be sold for millions in just a few years. She makes regular radio and TV appearances and has been featured on Fox Business News, Forbes, CNBC, Inc., and USA Magazines, and she's also the proud mother of her seven-year-old daughter, Arabella. Oh, so let's welcome up Michelle. Come on, girl. Your business is worth a million dollars. You want to sell $20 million? What do you need to know? You need to know what a $20 million company looks like. You need to know what the financials need to be. You need to know who your buyers are going to be. And you need to build a $20 million business. A lot of times, business owners have created what? A business or a job. Unfortunately, a lot of business owners has the majority of the business tied up in three to five clients. So we really work with our sellers to help them expand their client base, add those additional revenue streams, and create a business that works for them rather than them working for us. Michelle Seiler, Tucker, the co-author of Thinking Growers today, and sell your business for more than one. What is the number one reason that a business owner should choose Seiler Tucker? Because we have more buyers than anyone else in the industry, and we're able to create many wars really high cash flow businesses. Buyers want to buy profit. They want to buy cash flow. Most buyers don't want to buy a family business. Eight out of ten businesses do not sell. I hope you wrote that down. Eight out of ten businesses do not sell. You need to build a business that buyers want to buy. We are definitely the leading experts in buying and selling businesses and improving businesses in business. I'm always surrounding myself with the experts and learn from the best. On average, I obtain a 20 to 40% higher selling price for my clients. And the main reason for that, Sean, is we really do a thorough job on evaluating that business. Find your exit strategy, sell your business for maximum value, and operate on the six keys. And number one, that's people. Buyers don't want to purchase a job. They do not want to buy a job. The most important thing to a buyer is to buy a sustainable business with good quality people. What's number two? 
Okay. Is your product service on the way up? On the way out. In process, is it efficient? Is it streamlined? Is it productive? Proprietary. Do you have contracts in place? Trademarks, patents. Then the last piece, or what I think is the most important, is always profit. Does the business have profit? Obviously, we all want to have profits, right? We're in business to make money. But you'd be surprised. I work with companies making 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars, and they're upside down, and they're not making any money. So ask yourself, what keys are your strongest? What are your weakest? What is your bottleneck? Working with Siler Tucker is bittersweet. It's bitter because we're going to be brutally honest. We're going to tell you the truth. But it's sweet because we care about you. I'm passionate. I love your company. And I'm going to get you the highest value for your business. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, and we're back. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get into our guest today. There we go. But we're going to go ahead and get into our topic today. We got our guest today. We're going to be learning from Miss Michelle Tucker. But without further ado, let me introduce my guest, Miss Michelle Tucker. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Prince? I am doing outstanding. Let me share this up. And um, so for people out there, we just saw your scissor reel there. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I've, you know, always been an entrepreneur, um, even from a very young age. I've owned different businesses in many different verticals. And I knew I probably never really wanted to work for anybody because I don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> and so um, I did go to work for Xerox for about a year. Um and that was, like I said, very short-lived because I'm not a corporate America type of person. I'm an entrepreneur. And I left Xerox and went into franchise development, franchise consulting, franchise sales. And then I transitioned very quickly into selling businesses for small businesses and then trans transitioned into selling larger companies, $10 million and up. And then learned very quickly that according to Steve Forbes, eight out of 10 businesses will not sell. Mm. So... Um, you know, I learned very quickly how to fix these businesses, how to grow them, how to build to sell so that I want to starve to death. So we really specialize in buying, selling, fixing and growing companies. And my team and I have done over a thousand transactions. Nice. Now, the first question I want to get straight into uh, building a business to sell. When you say, hey, I have a I have a business, I'm building it up to sell. What does that look? Because, you know, uh, like you said, in your scissor reel, a lot of people have businesses out there, but a lot of them have jobs. So let's say if I have a job where I am a podcaster and I generate revenue from broadcasting, how do I build that business to make it sell? Sure. So that's what every business owner should do. And the, the, the biggest mistake with business owners is they don't think about selling their business until an internal or external catastrophic event has occurred. And so that could be health issues, death, partner, um, dispute, divorce, or COVID. And that's typically the worst time to sell your business. The best time to sell is when your business is doing well and trending upward. So we always walk our clients through what we call the GPS exit model, as we point out in Exit Rich, because again, nobody really thinks about selling until they have to. And you don't want to wind up as a statistic in the 80% group and, and not have a sellable asset. So you really need to plan it from day one of starting or buying your business. Okay. Now, yeah. one question I want, to, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you said, you worked at Xerox before you started your own business. What would you recommend for a new entrepreneur? Would you tell them to, hey, buy a business or start a business? So I actually owned businesses before I went to work at Xerox. Xerox actually recruited me. And that's why I ended up in corporate America. Um, but I would, you know, it, I would look back when I wrote my first book in 2013 called Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth. Back then I would tell everyone, don't buy a business, start a business because there's so many great businesses out there. There's 30.2 million businesses in the United States and 30 to 40% would be up for sale at any given time. So, you know, it's a lot risky to buy an existing business than it is to start a business. Mm. However... However, Prince, that landscape, the business landscape has changed because when I wrote Exit Rich in 2019 and 2020, 
I realized that it's only 30% now of, of startups will go out of business where it used to be 95%. Now it's only 30% of those businesses are at risk from one to five years. However, out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses have been in business 10 years or longer. 70% of those businesses are at risk of going out of business. So you see how the business landscape has flip-flopped. It used to be, yeah. gosh, if you made it past your five years, you're golden. Not anymore. Now these businesses are dropping like flies. You see the big public companies in the media all the time, like, you know, Toys R Us, been in business 75 years, goes out of business. Steinmark, Kmart, JCPenney's, uh, GNC closed down 900 locations. Even Godiva is closing down 1,500 locations. So it's 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 really, really scary. And, you know, I don't want business owners to end up in that 70% statistic or the 80% of businesses that don't sell. So I tell all my clients, I tell everybody who buys or starts a business, start with the end in mind. Determine, we call this the STGPS exit model. Determine what is your end game? What is your desired sales price? If you want to sell your business for $20 million, great. There's a number. Let's get a number. <laughs> mm. Wow. So you already tell them, hey, get a number in mind. So you say, hey, I want my business to be worth the one day to sell for $20 million. And then you start with that number that you figure out a way to build it to be worth $20 million. Right. So we call it the GPS exit model. So number one, when you want to drive somewhere, what do you do? You pull out your phone, you go to Google Maps, and you plug in your destination, right? Mm. So in a GPS exit model, you want to plug in your destination, your end game, your desired sales price. And so 20, if $20 million is your number, that's great. Just pick a number. The problem is most business owners don't have a plan. So they drive around in circles and they drive up and down the financial hills, winding up nowhere. All business owners typically have an annual plan or a goal of what they want their annual revenues to be, but they never figure out what they want to sell their business for. So step one is your destination. Step two is your current location. Find out, well, what is your business worth today? So if you want to sell it for $20 million, what is it worth right now? Now, Prince, you'd be probably surprised that us humans would go to the doctor, we get a physical checkup to make sure that we're in good health. We drive our car into the, to the shop. We make sure our car gets a tune-up checkup, but we never get an annual business valuation checkup. And most business owners have no idea what their business is worth. I've been dealing with businesses that have been in business 20, 30, 40, 50 years. They've never had a valuation. There are things that increase value and decrease value, like COVID. COVID has increased value for a lot of companies. It's decreased value for a lot of other industries. So you need to know, okay, I'm, I want to sell for 20 million. Today I'm worth 5 million. So that's your current location. Now you need to say, okay, well, what's my time frame? Let's say 10 years. So we want to sell for 20 million. Well, we're 5 million. We want to do this in 10 years. Now what you need to do is reverse engineer and say, okay, well, who's my buyers? There's five different types of buyers. So I'll tell you who's not your buyer is first time buyers because they can't afford a $20 million company and turnaround specialists because they buy distressed assets. So it's either going to be a private equity group, a competitor slash strategic or a sophisticated entrepreneur that, that, you know, buys EBITDA. So that's who your buyers will be. And then you need to know, well, what's their financial criteria? If they want to, you know, um, if, if they want to buy a $20 million business, where does the sales have to be? And most importantly, where does the EBITDA have to be? So for a $20 million company, your EBITDA is going to have to be between $3 million and $5 million. Break it down there for the, when you, you're speaking about the EBITDA. So people Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. Now, why, why is that so important? Because buyers are buying cash flow. They don't want to buy, they're not going to spend $20 million for a company that's losing money. Mm. You know, so nobody's going to spend $20 million unless they can get, you know, three to $5 million in EBITDA and get a return on their investment. Okay. So I want to put this up for anybody that's catching this live. This is Exit Rich. This is her book. We are going to uh, the investor show. We're going to purchase two copies and we're going to send them out to the first two people that comment in the comment box, exit rich. So hit in the comment box, exit rich. If you hit, or if you're the first two, tell me where you're from, type in exit rich, and then um, make sure you send me an email at prince at children'sfinancialliteracy.org, and you will receive your copy or pre-order copy of exit rich. So make sure y'all do that. If you're catching this live, if you catch the episode live, go ahead and hit in exit rich. And, uh, I think, well, we already got one winner. We already got two winners. Max B, say extra rich. Congratulations, Max B. Make sure you send me the email. 
<laughs> and Jenna said, exit rich, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there we go. Congratulations, uh, Max and Jetta. Make sure you send me an email at prince at childrensfinancialliteracy.com. All right. And somebody said, this is great information. Uh, somebody asked a question that said, what industry and business do you work best? More, somebody else said, exit rich. But we got the first two people already. All right. So we're going to keep continuing to go. So congratulations. Um, you will get your copy of Exit Rich. Courtesy of the Investor Show. Thank you for tuning in. Well, we always give out knowledge. And I remember people was asking that question. It was like, well, when I look at a financial statement and I'm looking at that EBITDA, right? What does this mean? Like, why do I care about this? So a lot of people, they try to look at 10K reports, financial reports. And I was very, that's why when I heard you say that, I said, bingo, that's so important. You're looking at the cash flow. Why is that so important for companies? I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just wanted to make sure I got that out there for you. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Um, the reason it's so important and it, <laughs> the reason it's really important is because you'd be surprised, Prince, how many business owners don't even know how much money they make. Like mm -hmm. they know what their, their top line is, but they really don't know what their cash flow is. And the reason for that is because many business owners live out of the business. They run personal expenses through the business. They um, also have non-reoccurring expenses that are ran through the business and they don't always pay attention to the bottom line. So when we do an evaluation, we do what we call normalize the financials so that we can get to the true seller's discretionary earnings or to the true adjusted EBITDA. And again, EBITDA is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, mm -hmm. and adjusted is where we add back personal and non-reoccurring expenses. So why is this so important? Well, this is important because you as a business owner want to know exactly what you're making in your business because, you know, that's how it's, it's a scorecard, right? That's how we monitor how well our business is doing. I mean, a lot of businesses go out of business because the business owner. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was not paying attention to the numbers. And there's been several situations where there's embezzlement. Uh, mm. There's been several situations where um, business owners have had to close their business down because the person they put in charge took everything. <laughs> so wow. you really always want to have your post on the numbers. You know, always say trust but verify, inspect what you expect, and make sure that you keep a pulse on what's going on in your business. And num numbers, you know, always say don't get mad, get the stats. Your financials is the most important, one of the most important things in your business to know if your business is doing well or not. And buyers are not going to spend $20 million for a business that's not profitable. Mm. Okay. So you just hit on a lot of this right here. You just <laughs> said when people look at it, evaluating a business value. So let's say for prime example, you know, right now I think, you know, let's say in the stock market, you see stocks of companies, Uber is worth a hundred billion dollars or whatever, right? So if mm -hmm. I walk up, and I look at a company, I'm looking to buy it. How can I evaluate its value? What are we looking at? Well, it's you really need an expert to sort it out for you because evaluations are more of an art rather than a science. And it takes a tremendous amount of experience to really evaluate a business. And in and it just depends on what are you evaluating it for? Are you evaluating the business to sell? Are you evaluating it because of a partner dispute and buying out a partner? Or are you evaluating it because of divorce? You know, you have to really look at why are you evaluating the business in the first place? If you're evaluating it to sell, then it definitely is more of an art rather than a science because it depends upon what the buyer is looking for. Because at the end of the day, Prince, you have a number, I have a number, 
but it's the buyer who decides what the business is worth and what they're willing to pay. So the buyer decides and determines value. Buyers are willing to pay more for synergies. So this is where the six P's come in and exit rich. The more synergies that a business has, then the higher multiple, the higher sales price I can get for our clients. So evaluation, even though we all come up with a number, um, if a business has an EBITDA of over a million, mm. that that multiple is typically going to be over five. Under a million is typically anywhere from one and a half to, to, to maybe four, four and a half. Over a million is five and up depending upon the synergies. Also, we're able to get our clients much more when we sell the business because we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of buyers, all five types of buyers. We have, I think, 28,000 buyers in our database. So we're able to create a bidding war and we're able to really determine what buyers are willing to pay a higher price and outbid everybody else for certain synergies. Now, when you said the synergy, can you, what, what does that mean? Look sure. at the synergies. All right. So there's six P's, right? You want me to tell you about the six P's real quick? You heard them briefly in my scissor rail. Yeah, um, so, so in Exit Rich, we talk about the six P's and we try to get our business businesses, our clients to operate on all six cylinders because if the business is operating on all six cylinders and guess what you have, you have a scalable, you have a sustainable business, you have a scalable business. And most importantly, you have a sellable asset that will sell for huge, huge profits. So mm. number one is people. You don't build a business, you build people and people build the business. So you got to have the right people in the right seats and you got to ask the who question, who opens the doors, who handles customer service, who handles legal, who handles accounting, who handles manufacturer, logistics, transportation, you know, environmental, the, the, the list goes on and on, Prince. The clue here, Prince, is you should never be next to the who. <laughs> you got to build a business that runs without you because so many businesses are not sellable because the owner is tied to the business. We had a dental practice coming to us uh, that wants to sell. They've been in business for 45 years. They have three dental hygienists, one dentist. We pull that dentist out of the business, there is no business. So that business is not going to sell for maximum value. Now, if there's a dental practice that has, you know, three or four or five, six dentists, that's different because now we have a sustainable, scalable business. When it's a sole practitioner, it's not, it's not going to maximize value. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of businesses are not sellable and certainly not sellable for maximum profit because the business is tied to the owner. Also, if you're trying to sell a $20 million company, not only do you have to have the right people in the right seat and ask the who question, you have to have the layers of management. You know, you have to make sure that you have the CEO and you have the chief operating officer and a chief uh, technology officer and everything else, because that's what buyers are looking for. Buyers want to make sure that the employees are loyal, that the employees are tenured and that the employees, you know, as, especially the management team have non-competes in place. Okay. Mm -hmm. So number two is product. Very important, Prince. Can't have a business without the right product. <laughs> so yeah. you have to ask yourself, is your product, your industry on the way up or on the way out? Mm. Do you have uh, an Amazon or do you have a Blockbuster? And right now, because unfortunately, because of the pandemic, there are a lot of a lot of business owners that have a Blockbuster in their hand. Now, if you have a Blockbuster in your hand, that doesn't mean you quit and fold up shop. That doesn't mean that you panic and run away. <laughs> mm -hmm. That means that you align yourself with an expert, you align yourself with a mentor, and you ask yourself some transformational questions. Number one, ask yourself, this is what Amazon did back in the 90s, Prince. Amazon asked themselves, what business are we in? And they said, we're in a book selling business. And then they asked themselves, what do we do really, really well, better than everyone else? And they said, we do fulfillment better than anyone else. So then they ask themselves, what business should we be in? We should be in a fulfillment business. We shouldn't be in just a book selling business. Mm -hmm. Those three questions trans transformed Amazon into a small bookseller to a multi-worldwide, multi-billion dollar worldwide conglomerate that they are today. So you really got to make sure. And that's why 70% of businesses are going out of business is because the owner has stopped doing what I call AIM. AIM means always innovate and market always innovate and market. A lot of business owners stop innovating. I mean, Blockbuster did. They saw Netflix. They had an opportunity to buy Netflix and they didn't do it. And now look at them. They're out of business. Seven trucks <laughs> in the gyms. <laughs> yep. And All then that. the third, the third P is processes. 
So a lot of business owners don't even really think about processes until something, you know, catastrophic has happened. Let's say that somebody got, and this happened to one of my clients that they, um, they had a manufacturing business and they had a catastrophic a catastrophic injury where an employee lost their arm mm. and it basically put them out of business. And now they're like, well, we need health and safety, you know, processes. We need processes to operate this machine. We need processes for this really Prince processes should be designed from the beginning with the customer experience in mind. Now, let me explain that. Have you ever watched a movie, the founder? I have not watched that. Okay, that's based upon the McDonald's and Ray Kroc story. Oh, no, no, no. I did watch that. The two brothers. Ray yes, Kroc. the two yeah. brothers. So back in the 40s, um, you know, there were these drive-up type Sonic restaurants, but they were very inefficient. The food was always cold. The order took so long. And, um, you know, it just wasn't a great experience. So McDonald's said, well, we want to start a fast food restaurant. And this is our mission. This is our vision. But here's our customer experience. We want, our, we want our customers to get great tasting food that's hot, delivered fast, two minutes or less. That is their customer objective. So they said, okay, how do we accomplish this? So they went out to an empty tennis court. Do you remember that in the movie when they went out to the empty tennis court? They took all their employees. They took chalk and drew out the process and then all the employees kept moving around and they kept changing it. They spent all day at the tennis courts figuring out who takes the order, who toasts the buns, who cooks the burgers, who puts the pickles on a bun, and who gives it to the client in two minutes or less. Those processes that were created back in the 40s, even though they've been tweaked along the way, is why you can eat at a McDonald's anywhere in the world and get the same experience. Mm. Okay. Have, you, have you ever dealt with a, with a vendor or dealt with a company prints where you get like very upset because you're like, oh my gosh, this is a terrible process. <laughs> this is not a process designed with a customer experience in mind. This process is designed to infuriate me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, like when you call PayPal, that's a perfect wow. example. You can never get anybody on the phone or some of the large banks. So some of these big conglomerates really got to go back and redesign their process with the customer experience in mind and make sure it's efficient, make sure it's productive, you know, make sure it's well documented because when a buyer goes to buy your business, you better have the policy and procedures manuals. You need to have the SOP charts. You need to have all that information and everything needs to be well documented. Got it. So we got so, the product. We got that process. I'm taking notes. And then we have proprietary. So yeah. this is to answer your question from before. You said, Michelle, how do you sell businesses for more? How do you evaluate businesses, you know, what drives the multiple of EBITDA? Well, what drives the multiple of EBITDA is proprietary. There are six pillars to proprietary, but proprietary will take your business from a five multiple to a seven or a 10. We have a company right now that we're selling for 12 multiple. And 12 multiple, you're saying 12 times EBITDA? EBITDA, yep, 12 times EBITDA. Most businesses are figured a multiple of EBITDA. There are some industries that are not, uh, but most industries are. So proprietary, there are six pillars to proprietary. Number one is branding. The more well-branded your business is, the more I can sell your company for, as long as your brand is relevant in the mind of the consumers. Meaning that nobody, who wants to buy Blockbuster? Who wants to pay money for Blockbuster? <laughs> Nobody, because Blockbuster went bust. So your mind, your brand has to be relevant to the consumers. The biggest brand in the world right now is guess who? Do you know? Coca Cola. No, nope. Coke is up there. Coke is worth about eighty nine billion dollars, but they're not the biggest. Got to be Amazon, or Apple. Apple, Apple, Amazon's up there too, but Apple's number one. Uh, their brand value is about two hundred eighty nine billion dollars. That's without assets, inventory, EBITDA, or anything else. That is just the brand value. So build your brand, build your exit. And mm. then trademarks are very valuable. Trademark your company name. Prince, have you trademarked your podcast? I have trademarked my book series. I have not trademarked my podcast. Okay. 
And then um, make sure you don't you don't just get a straight a state trademark. Make sure you get a federal trademark. A lot of business owners go and they set up shop, and so let's say they you know they're in Texas and they get a, a, a trademark in the state of Texas, but then they never check the federal database. The mm -hmm. problem with that is you could be in business for ten years and all of a sudden receive receive a cease and desist letter in the mail, and you have to stop using that company name. It doesn't matter which attorney you hire; you're probably going to lose, and so you have to stop doing business as that company name and have to start the rebranding all over again. So go out and spend the $1,500 to $2,000 and protect your company name, protect your books, protect your podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, we even are, tra we trademarked Exit Rich. We trademarked um, the six Ps. We trademarked, you know, everything we possibly could trademark. So very important. And then patents are big. I mean, patents are really big. Do you watch Shark Tank? Of course. And what does every investor ask every single inventor? Go oh, trademark. You got a trademark. You got a patent on that. Do you have a patent on that? Do you have a patent pending? Do you have a utility patent? So patents are big. I mean, we sold a company for $18 million. $18 million. I had 18 patents for a million dollars a patent. Wow. So build your patents. The other thing is contracts, manufacturer contracts, distributor contracts, vendor contracts, especially if there's some exclusivity, franchisor contracts that have franchisees. The most valuable of all contracts are client contracts. If you have a business with reoccurring revenue, residual income, buyers will pay more money for your business and they'll pay more money for a business that has contracts, especially a contract that's valuable to them. We once um, sold a business in the oil manufacturing space and priced for $9.8 million. We have 550 buyers. We got 12 LOIs. We found a strategic that had a similar product, but different. And, um, our, our seller had a had a contract with BP. 60 percent, 65% of the revenue was tied up in BP contract. Well, that would scare most buyers, but the, that did not scare this buyer because this buyer has well, some products and services. I'm sure you said something that was very important. You said about the contracts. You yep. said that this company had uh 60% of their contracts were with BP. Why was that an issue? No, no. 65% of their revenue was from BP. Why, why, why is that an issue? Because if they lose BP, they lost. They just lost 65% of their revenue. That's a very big one, everybody out there who tune into the investor show. Well, I always tell people multiple streams of income. At When we go through the income statement, we see where their revenue is generated from. That's why it's very important because we know if you lose that one contract, you're going to be in a big problem. But okay. I just want to make sure we tackle on that. Yeah, so that's that's very important. And you know, it's usually that most client, most businesses, and we'll we'll get to this when we talk about patrons, but most businesses follow the 80-20 rule where 80% of their revenue comes from 20% of their clients. Mm. So you gotta be very careful with that because if you lose a client, then you're in big trouble. So with BP, it, it scared off most clients, I mean most buyers, because it's fearful to buy a business and pay, you know, $10 million for a business when you could very well lose 65% of that revenue. So mm. most buyers would want to, to tie that revenue, you know, to keeping that client. So they would want to do an earn out or something like that. They would want to structure it in such a, such a way to mitigate their risk. But this, this particular buyer didn't care about any of that because <laughs> this particular mm. buyer had been trying to get into BP for years and years and years. And their thought process was we buy this company. Now we're inside a BP. Now we can get our other products and services in BP, which not, which not only can we catapult our business to the next level, but we can really monetize an ROI on the sell of this business. Nice. Okay. Now here's the thing about contracts. Here's a caveat that most people don't know. 99.9% .9 of all sales are asset sales, not stock. Therefore, your contracts need the transferability clause. And I can tell you 100% of clients that I've worked with over the past 20 years do not have the transferability clause. It's a two-sentence transferability clause that is, is imperative when you go to sell your business. Otherwise, your deal can stop dead in its tracks. So what's the transferability clause? So it basically just says, and I'm happy to send it over to you, but it basically just says that this, uh, this agreement is transferable you know, with 30 days notice or something like that. That way, when you sell to a third party, because that third party is going to do an asset sale, start up their own corporation, doing business as your company name. 
So that contract will not transfer over unless it's a stock sale or you have transferability language. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And most, most business owners don't, they don't, they don't realize that they don't know that. Well, I got this question for you. So you said about the 80, 20 rule where 80% of the business come for 20, 20% of the customers. And someone is saying, wow, I didn't think about that. That is my business. What, what advice would you give somebody to change that? Yeah. So here, I'll give you a story. I had, um, we were selling a marketing and advertising business. The owner's wife became extremely ill and was diagnosed with a very rare skin disease, a debilitating disease. And um, we valued the business in the $10 million range. The problem with this company is they specialized in casinos. They have five casinos, mm. five. Guess what? They lost two. They lost two casinos when we were trying to sell their business. Wow. That left us with three. <laughs> so their revenues dropped, you know, significantly. So we ended up merging them with another media and advertising business because they, what they had was tremendous talent mm -hmm. because you have to have the right team and the right talent in order to service casinos. So they had the talent, they had the team, they didn't have the, so they had the, they had great talent and great team. So they had the people, but they didn't have the patrons, which is the fifth P. So we merged them with a company that was diversified and had lots of diversified clients, no customer concentration, but they had the opposite problem. They didn't have good talent. Mm. They merge those two businesses together. But the advice I would give is, is when that happens, you really got to focus on innovation and marketing, and you really got to focus on diversifying your client base because if 65% of your revenue is tied up with one client, it's, it's going to cost you in the sale of your business. And if you lose that client, it's going to cost you in the profitability of your company. So you really got to market and diversify and, and get, you know, more clients and make sure you don't have customer concentration, but rather you have customer diversification. Got it. Okay. So we're at number four, right? Yeah. Well, we're still on proprietary. A couple more things I want to tell you about proprietary okay. databases. Remember I told you there's six pillars to proprietary databases are huge. Mm -hmm. Database is, database are your clients. And if they can be retargeted and repurposed, a strategic or a competitor will pay you a lot of money for your database. Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp. And WhatsApp was hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging. But they paid $19 billion for a company that was hemorrhaging because that company had a billion users. That's a synergy. See, that's a synergy that Facebook knew that they could buy, they could ROI, and they can monetize that $19 billion investment with a billion users. So mm -hmm. when we evaluate businesses, we use six different um, approaches. But one of the biggest approaches that we use is the 6P approach. Because we know if somebody has a contract or somebody has database or somebody's well-branded, we're going to be able to bring the right buyers the synergistic buyers that are willing to pay more money for that business because the sell, buying that business means more to them than it does to any other buyer because they can take this synergy and catapult their business to the next level. Plus it can take advantage of economies of scale. And more importantly, most importantly, a lot of times they can look at the operations of the business. Let's say they're buying a manufacturing plant and a manufacturing plant has a distribution center. Well, the buyer already has distribution centers all around the U.S., so they don't need that distribution center. They can cut that distribution center and increase EBITDA, double EBITDA from day one of buying the business. So those are kind of synergies, economy of scales, things that we look at that buyers can take advantage of in order to increase EBITDA from the minute they buy the company. That way they'll pay more money for the business. Got it. Okay. Okay. And then the last thing in IP is IP real estate. So this is not your commercial, this is not your building, this is not your land, IP real estate. As let's say you have a skincare line and Oprah Winfrey has listed your skincare line as her favorite thing and she's endorsed your skincare. Mm. Do you not think another skincare line or strategic similar business would be interested in getting their products in front of Oprah? Of course they would. So they will pay more money for that celebrity endorsement. Also, if you have a celebrity endorsement, you will say that, break that down again, because if you have a celebrity endorsement, how does that translate to business value? Well, 
it's all about branding. So if Oprah has endorsed your product, that is huge because number one, it's exposure. You're in front of a lot more people. It's credibility because everybody loves the queen, which mm -hmm. is Oprah. You're the prince. She's the queen. <laughs> everybody loves the queen. And mm -hmm. so that means more clients, more money, brand recognition. And it, it, it means that a buyer who has a similar business can also perhaps get their products in front of Oprah. Celebrity endorsements always mean more awareness. Look at Kendall, Jiley, Kendall um, Jenner. Kendall mm -hmm. Jenner, right? Mm -hmm. And Kylie Jenner. Look, I mean, they're, they're racking it in with all these endorsements that they do and things that they do. Influencers are huge influencers on Instagram. They make millions, billions from mm -hmm. just being an, an influencer. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, definitely. So definitely. that's what brings in the money. So celebrity endorsements are huge. The other big thing is, let's say that you manufacture furniture, dining room furniture, and you're number one on Wayfair. Do you know how hard it is to get that number one spot on Wayfair or Etsy or Amazon? Mm. Very difficult. And it opens up the door to getting other products. You know, same thing with celebrity endorsements on the radio. You know, the, the, the Kid Craddock show, <laughs> they pay, they pay them a lot of money on the morning show to do these endorsements. Same thing with Rush Lumbar, same thing with, um, Glenn Beck. Mm, yep. So, so that, that drives value that gets you a higher multiple. That's what I call the six P's of proprietary. I'm taking notes too. I'm looking down here. following along. I like, I definitely will have the book, uh, exit rich and congratulations to the two winners. I put my email address in the comment box. Make sure you please send me that email. Cause if you don't send me the email, then, uh, and when you email me, send me your name and your address. Please email me your name and your address because I need a place to send it to and a person to send it to. So, okay, so we've got that. Yeah, and email because we will get them the email digital version right away. Oh, you got email digital? Okay, got it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the book hasn't launched yet. We're in the middle of pre-sales right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but I wanted to finish a piece real quick. So the fifth P is yeah. Patreons, which we already talked about Patreons, mm -hmm. which is your customer base. The last P is Profits. You want to be, you know, all business owners are in business to make money. We're not in business to lose money. However, so many businesses lose money year over year over year. Uh, but I always say that profits is never the problem. It's always the symptom of not running on one of the other five P's. Clients will come to me and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, you have a people problem. Mm. You don't have the right people in the right seat. Or you have a, a, a process problem. Your process is not efficient and productive. Yeah, I'm making sure. So, so problems are never the problem. What's that? So you said profits are never the problem. Mm -mm. They're always a symptom of not having the right people. They're a symptom of being in a uh, having a dying product versus a thriving product of not having efficient productive processes with the customer experience in mind. If you if you alienate enough clients, you will be out of business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's why, you know, we're in business for, for the consumer. We're in business for customers. The company that makes it easiest for the consumers to purchase products and services is the company that's going to win. Amazon is winning right now because they make it so easy to purchase products. You can practically buy anything on Amazon and have it shipped to you in two days. And now they're even speeding that up because they just bought a bunch of planes where they want to get it to people in one day. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, so I want to make so sure profits I are never the problem, always a symptom. Never the problem. Okay. So we got people, product, process, proprietary, patriot, and profits. Correct. And profits are never the problem. They're a symptom of not having the right people, not having the right product, not having the right process, proprietary, and uh, patriot. And it's not. Right. Uh, proprietary, you got uh, brand, trademarks, contracts, patents, uh, databases. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. You're a good note taker. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not. I'm not a smart guy, but I. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Pick up quick. Now, the thing about it here, I want to get into M&A, merger and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. you kind of touched on this earlier with merger and acquisitions. Uh, when does this come into play with businesses and as a business owner, how, how can it pertain to a person to say, hey, um, why would somebody want to merge, merge with me? M&A. You know, we know you so, 
our own yeah. You know, there's 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 companies that want to merge with there's big companies and public companies, um, private companies that want to merge with smaller companies because they want to grow without organic growth of of merging. It's it's easier sometimes. Well, it can be harder too, but sometimes it's it can be easier um, to merge with a company that's in the same industry that's much smaller than you are, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of businesses would prefer to merge sometimes rather than selling out. Mm. Uh, so that's when mergers come in play. You know, the advertising business, the sample I gave you, the example I gave you was a perfect example. They really weren't sellable. They weren't sellable because they only cater to casinos and they lost two clients, you know, two out of the five. So they weren't really sellable and the overhead was so expensive that the best strategy for them was to merge with this other business, grow the business and then sell the business together. So mm -hmm. there's all different types of ways to merge. Um, a lot of buyers too are buying a percentage of the company. So rather than buy a hundred percent of a business, they're buying 60% or 70% or 80%. That example I gave you about the buyer who wanted to buy the oil manufacturing business, he bought 70%. He paid $15 million for 70% of the business and the business appraised for $9.8 million for hundred percent. It's 126% over the appraised value. Wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Now you, you was kind of touching on this earlier. We heard about flipping houses, flipping a business, going in, flipping a business. Can you speak on someone who's, uh, who's looking at a business? Maybe it's a sure. failing business. Let's take a business. Um, I'm trying to think of a company that could be struggling right now due to COVID. Um, restaurants. Restaurants. <laughs> so you yeah, go yeah, ten, 10 million restaurants, 10 million, not 10 million, 10,000 restaurants are getting ready to close right now. But, you know, turnaround specialists are one, uh, you know, remember I went over the five types of buyers. Mm -hmm. Turnaround specialist is one type of buyer. That's what they do. They buy businesses. They use the assets of the business to leverage um, the buyout. So they're really coming out of, pocket with, you know, pretty much no money down, zero. Find that again, when they go into a business, it's usually a, a business that's uh, hemorrhaging. The business is typically failing. Mm -hmm. The business is not doing well and it cannot be doing well from a lot of things. Maybe uh, they don't want, they're not functioning all six P's, you know, maybe the business owner just doesn't know how to grow the business. They don't have the right people in place. You know, maybe it's in a failing industry, like right now restaurants are in a failing industry. Um, so turnaround specialists will go in and leverage the assets of the business to buy the business with little to no money down. They well, fix I, I, the business. Michelle, that's the piece I want you to, when you say leveraging the assets, is mm -hmm. key in that? Yeah, so they can leverage the assets, like they can maybe get a loan on, on the furniture, fixtures, and equipment that's in the business. Mm -hmm. They can maybe take the receivables, the receivables and get a factoring loan, the accounts receivables. Mm -hmm. uh, they can maybe get a loan against the inventory. So there's all ways to use the to leverage the assets of the business to get in with little to no money down or the seller struggling so much that they'll offer the seller, you know, small down payment with seller financing, or they'll offer them a hundred percent financing and um, offer them, you know, percentage of the upside. So there's all kinds of different ways to structure a deal when you're trying to buy a business and turn around and flip it. And, but this is much more difficult than flipping houses. Oh, and you know, I like what you said that when you spoke about the accounts receivable and you mm -hmm. spoke about the uh, property equipment, the PPE, I think that's what it's called, mm -hmm. the property assets equipments. Furniture fixtures equipment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Furniture fixture equipment, PFE, right? Mm -hmm. So looking at those and the reason why I wanted to hit on this because, you know, here in the show, we, we go through a lot of balance sheets and income sheets statements and people kind of wonder, okay, what are accounts receivable? What are these? And you point out how this is important. Mm -hmm. If someone goes in to look at a business, they can take a loan out on that mm -hmm. to purchase the assets of the business. Did I get that correct? They can. They absolutely can. They can take a loan out. Um, you got to be very careful, you know, when, when getting a loan because you want to make sure that you're getting a rough, you know, going to a reputable company, not a loan shark, not somebody who's going to charge you, you know, 20, 25% interest. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, I see those kind of deals all the time. I mean, a lot of business owners get upside down because, 
you know, I have a good friend of mine that got upside down because they went and took out nine, 10 different loans all from different loan sharks. So you gotta mm -hmm. be very, very careful, but yes, you can, you can get a factoring loan. You can borrow against your receivables. You can borrow against your assets. You know, if you have real estate, you can perhaps borrow against that. You obviously can borrow against real estate um, and then maybe inventory. So there is a way to borrow money at a much lower interest rate. And you can certainly do that. You just got to be very careful and know what you're doing. Um, but as far as buying a business and flipping it, you can absolutely use the assets of the business to, to purchase a business. Okay. One thing I want to hit on, um, Michelle, is buying a franchise. What about... Ooh about that concept of going out there buying a franchise because uh, some people may look at it and say wow look at that quote-unquote mcdonald's why start my own burger shop when i can just buy mcdonald's what are some pros and cons i know you specialized in selling franchise and buying franchises you know early in your career yeah, I, did. I actually did. I specialize in franchise sales, franchise development, franchise consulting. And here's what I always say. And franchisors sometimes get mad at me, <laughs> but that's okay. I always say, you know, well, let me start here. Um, if you've never, if you're a first time buyer, remember there's five types of buyers. Mm -hmm. If you're a first time buyer, I, I like the idea of buying a franchise because the good thing about a franchise is the cookie cutter formula. It's a proven system. You're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. So you have the training, you have the support, you have the mentorship with a franchise. However, if you're an entrepreneur and you're like me and you don't like to be told what to do, then you're going to have a hard time owning a franchise because they're going to tell you what to do. <laughs> they're going to mm -hmm. tell you how to do it. And there's certain rules and regulations you have to follow. So first time buyers leaving corporate America, absolutely get a franchise. Entrepreneurs, Maybe not so much because if you're a true visionary, you might be the one who wants to start the franchise and be the franchisor and have franchisees. Mm. Here's the other big difference I want to talk about. This is very important. It's, it's always better to buy an existing franchise versus a startup franchise because a startup franchise, let's just look at Baskin Robbins, for instance. We sold a Baskin Robbins years ago, years, years, years ago. And this Baskin Robbins had been in business for about, I don't know, 30 years. And their EBITDA was about set, their seller's discretionary earnings was about $75,000. And we sold that business, I want to say for like 195, right under, right under 200. Hmm. A, a, a brand new Baskin Robbins with zero clients, zero employees. <laughs> Um, you know, you're starting from scratch, a brand new Baskin Robbins, the range was going to be about 300 to 400,000. Wow. So what would you rather do? Would you rather buy an existing business that has the cash flow, has the employees in place, has the customers and buy it for half the price or mm -hmm. buy a startup and have to do everything? So I would always encourage um, buyers, first time buyers to buy an existing franchise over a startup. Okay. I have a question for you as well. Um, when you are, let's say if you buy a franchise and you have it for two, three years and you say, hey, I don't want this. I want to go into my own business or whatever the case may be. Do you have to, are you tasked with selling that or can you return it back to the franchise or? You cannot return. I don't have a return policy. <laughs> 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 so you have to you have to sell that franchise. Now, sometimes a franchisor will have a resale department and for a commission, they'll resell that franchise for you. Uh, but I don't recommend that because here's the deal. 90 percent of buyers are first time buyers and mm -hmm. they don't know what they want. So let's say that you're selling. Let's say that we're selling a subway franchise. Right. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to say all of a sudden, oh, I want a subway. So, but there's those buyers that have no idea what they want. And if you go to a broker who's industry agnostic, then they're going to have buyers where, where they can educate the buyer and say, you know what? A subway might be perfect for you. So you'll get more buyers than just those buyers looking at subways. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Because you can say, hey, if you put it in front of their face, well, oh, I never thought about that. Exactly. And it's really the M&A advisors, business brokers job to really thoroughly interview buyers, especially first time buyers, because first time buyers 
huh, they're slow to pull the trigger. Most of them will never pull the trigger. You really got to you really got to interview them and educate them on, you know, why do they want to own a business in the first place? Because I promise you that probably all of their friends and family are telling them not to buy a business, that they should just keep their day job, <laughs> you no. know, so you got to have a strong enough why to keep you motivated and keep you in the game. Plus, you need to know your skill sets. What are your skill sets? What are your passions? What do you really like? You know, because it really isn't about the industry. It, to me, you know, when we sell businesses to buyers, five types of buyers, it's not always about the industry. A lot of times it's about what that business will provide to that, that buyer from a lifestyle, right? What it provides from a lifestyle, you know, does it get them, does it give them more quality time with their family? Does it give them more discretionary income? Do, do they get to travel more? You know, we look at how is it going to benefit the buyer's life? Got it. Okay. Well, Mr. Shell, we got to ask you the question. What are you investing in? <laughs> Myself. <laughs> we didn't ask you, what are you investing in? So I do partner with business owners. Um, and, you know, I'm very, very cautious. I want to make sure that, that the business owners are the right fit. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make sure they have that other P, which is called passion, that they're mm -hmm. still passionate about their particular business. I want to make sure that the business owners can grow themselves because if they, if, if we can't grow the business owners, then we'll never be able to grow the company. You can't grow the company beyond the business owner. Got it. Okay. So I, so I'm industry agnostic. It's, it's not about industry to me. It's about um, a niche too. I like to invest in businesses that service a niche. So I have, you know, I have a business in the graphics company. I have businesses in medical, legal, I've had businesses in um, technology, printing, mm. and other industries. Um, I am in the stock market, of course, and I do invest in my own company. Okay. Now yeah. we got to get into Exit Rich. We already hit it earlier. We already got two winners that's going to be getting uh, on that pre-order list. So as soon as you drop it, you're going to have it. Um, Alan Williams says, Michelle, this is great info. Thank you for sharing this. And Jetta says, can't wait to read the book, Prince. Um, let's see what are some of the comments we got here. Um, Lucky's mom says, learning very good information here. Thank you. Um, okay, so I had a joke here. They said, uh, they said, the biggest brand in the world is the investor show. <laughs> well, I hope you have a federal trademark on the investor show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good afternoon. Good, good information. So we got some great comments that are coming time coming through. Um, so I want to answer the question, you know, tell us about it. You spoke about the three P's earlier, the people, the product, the process, preparatory, uh, the patrons and the profits, the profits never been the problem, the preparatory, breaking down the C's of the preparatory. You're writing this book. I know this is not your first one. Tell us all about it. Why should we go out and grab it? Why should we what? Why should we go out and grab this book? Why do we, why do we oh, need this one? Mm -hmm. Anybody who, oh, you must grab the book because anybody who, Steve Forbes says anybody who owns a business, any entrepreneurs, anybody who's buying a business, starting a business must buy Exit Rich, must read Exit Rich because Exit Rich is a gold mine for entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs leave so much money on the table. And like I said, 80% of entrepreneurs will never be able to sell their business because eight out of 10 businesses don't sell. So you should go out and grab Exit Rich because not only are there 20 years of my experience and expertise in the trenches, I also have Sharon Lecter, who is my co-author. Sharon Lecter wrote Rich Dad Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. She's a five-time New York Times bestselling author. Plus, she's written several books in the Napoleon Hill Foundation. She is a CPA. She's a financial literacy expert. She's also been the advisor to several different presidents, including President Obama. So why would you not go out and get Exit Rich? Plus, we have great testimonials like Les Brown. Les Brown says it's one of the books, best books he's ever read. So we have Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield, you know, great testimonials. So what's great about Exit Rich, again, is 20 years of experience from me, plus Sharon Lecter, who's a CPA, financial literacy expert, plus her husband is an IP, intellectual property attorney. So mm -hmm. after every chapter, they add the mentor's corner. So what's nice about Exit Rich, we're actually in the middle of pre-sale right now. So if you go to ExitRichBook.com, not Amazon, now you can buy it on Amazon, but here's the difference. It's less expensive on ExitRichBook.com 
for $24.79. We will email you the digital download. When the book launches. What's the website again? Exit Rich? ExitRichBook.com. Book. Okay. Okay. And when the book, when the book launches, we'll send the hardcover to your doorstep. Plus you get a lifetime. Now here's the most valuable thing. You get a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club where we have video training of me going over all those different content strategies and techniques that I've learned over the last 20 years. Plus we have documents. Clients come to me and say, Michelle, I've never seen an organizational chart or an employee handbook or non-compete. Our seller, you know, business owners who want to sell their business are like, I don't know what a sample, I don't know what a letter of intent looks like, our purchase agreement, our due diligence checklist. All of those documents are in the Exit Rich Book Club for your review and immediate download. And guess what, Prince? If you go to your attorney and try to recreate these documents, it will cost you over $25,000 to get that. So for $24.79, you not only get Exit Rich, but you get all the documents, plus you get a 30-day membership into Club CEOs, which is an entrepreneurial group that I started where we do masterminds, Q&As, and those hot seats so we can help business owners really ask those transformational questions so we can help you really not just survive, but thrive on the other side of this. Got it. That's nice. So exitrichbook.com. Um, I would definitely have a copy, right? I would definitely be ordering my copy and congratulations to the two winners. Congratulations. And it's been uh, awesome having you on. Is there anything you want to say out there before you get out of here, Michelle? Um, I think the biggest thing, you know, is look, entrepreneurship and somebody broke Ms. Michelle, somebody said that's great value for $24.95. Twenty four seventy nine. Twenty four. Oh, because we're we're broadcasting on I don't know like three or four Facebook pages and our YouTube right now. So oh, wow. definitely, um, you know, congratulations to everybody. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead and uh, no, you're fine. You're fine. No, I was just gonna say, you know, entrepreneurship, small business is the backbone of the U.S. economy, employing over half the U.S. workforce. Entrepreneurship, you know, and small business is near and dear to my heart. And I know that a lot of business owners are struggling right now with the pandemic, but you know, my big piece of advice is never give up. There are lots of mentors like myself that love to give back and love to help struggling business owners, not just survive, but thrive and exit rich when they're ready. Um, there's always, where there's a world, there's a way, there's always a way to pivot. There's always a way to really think outside the box, throw the box away and ask those transformational questions. So you can really, thrive. And like I said, build your empire so you can exit rich and afford a lifestyle you've all you deserve. And I've always dreamed of. If I'm not mistaken, who wrote the forward on exit rich? Kevin Harrington, the original Shark Tank. So Kevin Harrington, the original Shark Tank, he wrote the forward on her book. Um, so that's another one. I know you brought up uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but I also want to bring up, you know, Kevin Harrington writing the forward. That's a, uh, I forgot I, about Kevin. He'll get mad at me for forgetting about him. <laughs> he was on my podcast not too long ago. I love Kevin. Yes, Kevin. He, um, what did Kev, Kevin created as seen on TV, right? Yes, Kevin. You know, you know, here's the funny thing about Kevin. I've known Kevin for years. Kevin mm -hmm. started out selling businesses. <laughs> wow. He was a business broker way back in the day, but. You know, Kevin didn't sell large businesses like we do. He sold small little, you know, pizzerias and coffee shops and things like that. But Kevin was always an entrepreneur because even back in his business brokering days, he would line up everybody. So he would like have a CPA, he'd have an attorney, have a financial advisor. He would have everything that a business owner needs and then he would get a cut off of that. And wow. then he started going to trade shows. And that's when he started seeing like the, the Jiu-Jitsu knife guy and several other inventors and um as seen on tv and then he created a scene on tv because he said one night he was he was it was late at night and he was watching tv and all of a sudden it just went Shh. remember how back in the day mm -hmm. where somebody didn't buy the programming there was nothing there and it just went Shh. remember mm -hmm. back oh, in the yeah. day so he's like so he called up the cable company and it's like what is this? And they said, look, nobody's buying, buying this time. He's like, well, I'll buy the time. <laughs> and that's how he got started with his infomercials. That's great. And yeah. I, and I thought that I want to make sure, you know, I met Kevin probably about, I don't know, five or six years ago in Hawaii. Uh, one of the things there, but I know the original shark, the original yeah. shark tank. And I saw that as well. I want to make sure, you know, Kevin got his <laughs> just do as well. He's the original shark on shark tank. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. Cause like I say, you might get mad at me for <laughs> not bringing him up. <laughs> And I want to say, you know, anything out there that you want to leave before we check out of here? No, I think that's it. Um, the other, you know, we, we talked about maybe the first half of the book. 
The other half of the book is all about evaluations, packaging your business for sale, and um, you know, creating creating bidding wars, negotiations, how to negotiate with the five different types of buyers, and um, if you're not ready to sell, how to build to sell. All right. So, well, Michelle, it was definitely a pleasure for having you on. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, everybody. Go check out Exit Rich. Uh, exitrichbook.com and see it right here uh, in the banners. Make sure you go and uh, check it out. And uh, it's on pre order. I definitely yes. my grabbing my copy. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. I'll add one thing. If any of your yeah. listeners go and buy a three pack, meaning three books, I'll do a 30 minute consultation for free. Okay. So somebody asks, what is the website again? It's right here, exitrichbook.com. Go yeah. across the banner and say it again, Mr. Michelle, what you're going to offer for them. So if anyone buys three books, a three pack, I call it a three pack, three books, I'll do a 30 minute free consultation with them. Nice, nice. Ten, right. ten books, I'll do an hour. 25 books, I'll do two hours. Oh, wow. Okay. So the more knowledge you receive, the more you can actually sit down with Miss Michelle Tucker. Thank you for that wealth of knowledge. You know, the 20 years of experience, buying and selling businesses, evaluating businesses, those uh, six P's. And those six P's, that's where inside of proprietary, you know, remember this, I got it written down. So great value for the show. I thank Thank all the listeners that that caught this live. For the playback, it'll be on Spotify, iHeart, iTunes, all the great stuff, all our broadcasts everywhere. But thank you for coming on and uh, wish you the best and we'll be in contact. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you, Prince. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, as y'all know, until the next video podcast, cartoon, or whatever else crazy you see me do around the globe, peace, be safe. I'm out. Thank you. <laughs>